Hello, we are Terra Nova, a horror podcast. We're hosted by Kendall and Jackie. And here we talk about everything well, horror. And this podcast is specifically for you, the horror fans, and also the non-horror fans. If you're too scared to watch the movies, it's fine. We talk about it, we discuss it, we dissect it, we laugh about it, talk about the good, the bad, the tropes, and new episodes are launched every Monday. And follow us on Facebook and Instagram at TerranovaPod. And leave a review, five stars, of course, on all platforms that you listen. And last but not least, tell a friend, tell a friend, tell a friend. And tell your dog, too. Cool dog. <laughs> Hello. Hello. That was so long. Like, I'm literally waiting. <laughs> Or you just, I'm like, can I not hear me? What's going on? I can hear you. I'm glad you can hear me. So we're still in February. We're continuing our films, our horror films in black cinema. And this one I'm really excited about because it was nice to revisit it. This is was the it? film. Yeah, it really was. And also, I love how an article has said the how this was the film before Get Out was Get Out, which they're not wrong. It did have a lot of stuff not wrong. commentary in it. I just I think we're gonna have to accept that every black film that ever comes out about black people is gonna be like after Get Out. Like you know how we had B C before Christ? It's gonna be something mm-hmm. like that with Get Out. It's gonna be like <laughs> before Get Out, after Get before Out. Before Get Out. That was yeah. just, before that was just the most popular one. Before G O exactly. this is C M after G O <laughs> Exactly. That's just going to be how black horror movies tend to go from now on. So, I, I, it is what it is. Get Out was the most popular one. So, it just makes sense to keep re- reaching back to that before you get into anything else. So, I, I ain't going to hold it against these journalists too much. I get it. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> so, for this, we're going to be reviewing uh, 1992 iconic film Candyman. And I'm not going to repeat it five times. And as one of you repeated five times, I'm going to take the headphones out of my ear. And disappear. Because I don't play with that. You heard what I said. I'm not repeating it. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny you say that. I was a comedian I was listening to. Uh, I love Lavelle Crawford. I love him. He's hilarious. He had a funny joke about how him, how Candyman scared him when he was a kid, him and his his cousin. And he was like, him and his cousin would make bets about like who could say his name five times in the mirror without getting scared. And without like mm-hmm. running away, and he was like, <laughs> his cousin went in the mirror and was like, "Candy man, candy man, candy man." Then he was like, "Candy man." <laughs> then he would say, "Candy, wait five minutes," and then say, "Man again." <laughs> and it was like, "What? What is wrong with you?" Like it was just, it was just so dumb the way people try to act brave when it comes to things like this and Bloody Mary. It's hilarious. Yes, because it's scary. But yes, yeah, so it is. We're going to be doing this film, and we would not be able to do this with a guest. Uh, he was on our show before when we did the State of Horror episode, and he, yeah, so before he was JoJo, and now he is JP. So say hello to everyone. Hello, everybody. New Year, different persona. It's me, JP, the, the, the famous, unfamous reviewer. <laughs> Coming in live from Terra Nova. Famous, unfamous. <laughs> you know, you know what they say. <laughs> I like that. I am the writing on the wall. 
<laughs> you guys don't know that famous quote. Famous quote from the CM. From my, from, my, another from my man of candy. So good. <laughs> yeah, my homie. So good. How's it going, man? How's everything everything's swell. I've reached a new age of twenty-two, and I still haven't felt it yet. But it it will happen very soon. So very good. Very good. It's nice to be here again with y'all. Cool. Cool. Yay. You're not gonna feel it for like at least another ten years. So it's. <laughs> yeah yeah once you reach our age then you're gonna feel it you're gonna be like oh crap yep yep i'm reaching this peak now only to not enjoy it later in life <laughs> yep you, you'll get there like man a- you'll be all right just you know you'll be all right you know it's funny you can say that i was like what was it last weekend i went to see lupe fiasco on concert uh with my lady and it, and it was it was a good time it was real fun uh and lupe was like it was his birthday he just recently turned 40 and he was like yo man like i 40 like that's it's crazy man like my, my joints don't work the same my hips i was like you gotta stretch in the morning bro <laughs> <laughs> that's what you can do you gotta stretch every morning <laughs> and people in the audience was having a good time it, it was just funny i couldn't imagine myself being yep. 40 and i'm just gonna say man my hips really lie my, my hips really lying now they're lying <laughs> they're lying to me shakira shakira yeah, can't be like shakira yeah, we can't bless you, Kara. She was like, my hips don't lie. And it's just like, they do all the time, girl. Because they're not like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> it's cool. It's cool. But we, 40 ain't old. But we can get into it. It's all right. Let's hop into it. So, we have the pleasure. We're going to let uh, JP, the artist formerly known as JoJo, do the summary for Candyman. Okay. So, yeah, man, hop into it. It all starts with the wide pan shot of the Chicago city. Introducing Candyman. Then you hear a very brief but very soothing narration from our good boy Tony Todd as the titular villain. I am the writing on the wall and that he will split your groin from your gullet. Very descriptive and an awesome start to it. But it it focused on our (laughs) central character. uh, White focused uh, Virginia Madsen playing Helen Lyle. As she is researching for her thesis for her college, trying to get into the local papers and stuff. And she starts looking into the legend of Candyman. One time, a few times from college students from her university, but all that seems to be halted as her husband, Trevor, uh, spoiler, not spoiler, he's a dick, that he, <laughs> he ends up doing his curriculum surrounding <laughs> mythical legends. And of course, they both have an altercation with that, but that was short and sweet and left. Um, as she was researching, she follows two, um, how do you say it, two cleaning women. And they got some of the backstory from her mm-hmm. with a little bit more of a murder that happened in the Cabrini Green apartments that is directly involved in Candyman. So what does Helen do? She brings her homegirl Ber- Bernadette, Aka Bernie, to... Cabrini Green to investigate it herself. And even before <laughs> then, uh, her apartment was once a housing project in the Chicago apartments that was once formerly Cabrini Green. It's sad to know now that Cabrini Green has been taken down in t- 2011. So a lot of history has gone and removed and changed. After that part, mm-hmm. they both went into the apartment where the said murder happened. And the as... Helen expected there was something on the wall behind the walls. You see a Candyman painting there with chocolates with razor blades. She picked one up and got pricked. I don't know how. And oh, 
funny thing. As Helen was seeing the Candyman uh, drawing, she got a little drowsy whenever she looks at it, but that will come into play later. She goes to maybe a bar with some friends. They talk about Candyman there. Next shot. It's really like a good 44 minutes of just slow burn until the 44 minute mark ends with Helen getting attacked by the supposed Candyman, her basically snitching and arresting said Candyman. <laughs> I mean, I mean, come <laughs> on. <laughs> we, got, we gotta be truthful here. <laughs> she wasn't snitching. The man walked into the bathroom she was in, which was, it, it was like a, a public bathroom in Cabrini Green. She's standing in there. The man walks in with a, with two other dudes holding a hook in his hand. Said, I heard you looking Clearly for Candyman, Clearly up to no good. Like, <laughs> bow, bow, bow. Jake has to take her out, and that's when the snitch happens. And then uh, after Jake said, oh, no, he going to get me. <laughs> Helen Lyle says, Candyman ain't real. Jake says, my life is a lie. Next scene. <laughs> while, <laughs> next scene, while she got the photos from her camera <laughs> that supposedly were broken, we finally get to see the main villain in play. When he says, I come for you. Ah, the shivers going down my spine. That's when the real stuff happens. Helen gets uh, drowsy, somehow, false faint, sees a a whiff of blood, and notice that she's in Vanessa Williams' apartment. What happened? I don't know. The baby's gone. A lot of blood. She, She almost killed Helen. Turns out the cops was there. Got arrested. It was. It was. The dog's, the dog's head, head was chopped, chopped off. off. Oh, damn. That was a gruesome scene. Yeah. <laughs> what else happened after? I'm, now, now I'm just going off of memory. Um, she's, just getting, she's just getting really confused about what's going mm-hmm. on and thinks that Candyman is actually out to get her. As she looks deeper and deeper into it, more of her, more of her, friends, getting, more of her friends gets killed. Uh, Bernie was next. She keeps getting a lot of bodies within her wake. After that, she got sent into the mental hospital where her caretaker was also killed by Candyman, which led Helen to escape and to see Trevor, of course, being the ultimate fraud and absolute dick with pink painting on her walls with this college student, Stacy. And I'm over here like, wow, you really are low. <laughs> Knowing the fact that Helen knows where this is going to go and realize how... <laughs> She's basically failed and falled into Candyman's trap. So what happens? She goes to she goes back to Cabrini Green, tries to find an end to all this, and notices that Candyman might be inside the uh Cabrini apartments to where the apartment she is, to where the baby is, which is still alive because Candyman told her, Come with me. I have child. You will come with me and we will all become legend. I can't believe I'm getting this really right, though. <laughs> After that, she tries to save the child, but of course, confronting <laughs> Candyman. And we got a whole gothic scene of allow me at least to kiss. Then Candyman kisses Helen with bees. It was terrible. Takes her to the, uh, what you call it, the bonfire? Yes. And, and as the bonfire, mm-hmm. the bonfire is outside. heavily growing, heavily steady, Helen's trying to get help. Stabs Candyman in the chest, which allowed him to burn and burst in the flames. Helen is running with the, not running, but crawling very slowly with the child in hand, trying to get out of the fire. Luckily, someone saw that and pulled her out. 
the baby was saved, little Anthony. Anthony was saved. Anne-Marie was so happy, even though back then she was just riddled with rage and guilt, thinking her baby dead. And then Helen, of course, succumbs to her injuries, which sucks. A few days, ha I mean, the funeral happens, and all of Cabrini Green, of course, welcomed her and gave her the hook and tried to say as like a thank you for getting rid of this evil once and for all. Uh, I'd say maybe a day later passes and Trevor, for some reason, he doesn't deserve it, is crying over Helen, goes to the mirror. I'm not going to talk about Stacy because she's not she's not irrelevant. Um, goes to the mirror, goes to the mirror, says Helen's name <laughs> really four times. Hey, what's up, Trevor? You missed me. Split from the going to the gullet. And that was the end of the movie. Bravo. Thank Bravo. You, thank you. I'm surprised I even remembered it as very well yeah. as I accurately did. <laughs> <laughs> Word. It'd be like good job. Good job. But yeah, definitely good job. I just gotta say one thing is that their whole entire again, rewatching this movie, it was funny because the whole time I'm looking at Bernadette, look at Hella, and I'm just like Man, your friend is gonna get you killed. She bored you to say crazy. Man. You should have just <laughs> left her there. Trying to tell me the black breast friend doesn't make it? <laughs> I, yeah, I, mean, I knew she was gonna get she killed, <laughs> but I don't know. For this, for this, I kind of like don't see any problem with that because Candy Man will kill you regardless of race. It yes, doesn't matter. Is what's blood for if not for shedding? That's the famous quote. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yep good point but man this this film has yeah this film has sparked so many conversations so many articles and then when it was had a soft reboot slash prequel slash sequel last year with Nita Casa directing it also brought back more articles more conversations from it and it really is one of those movies that will never die out. It would never get old. It would never get tiresome. It's 2022. It still holds up. It's still relatable. It's still, like, so important people watch the film. The one question I want to ask this. I remember when um, we saw the remake. Uh, me and Kendall watched it. And I remember he, <laughs> he came into my ear. He was just like, I told you Candyman's a black movie. <laughs> Is the original <laughs> a black movie or not? Because that's always been a big debate when the when the first one came out. Yeah, JoJo, you can answer. I already said how. Okay, I, I add, but get I wanna, I'm not gonna call the original a black movie. That I would not do because it was inspired by um the Books of Blood series, specifically the short story The Forbidden. It takes really heavy ties to that. And why Candyman came to be where it is. Um, how they describe Candyman in the Forbidden is, of course, of course, heavily different from what we got in the movie. But it does also it does also has like specific mm -hmm. lines from the book that were told to the movie. Jake had a line that was in the book. Helen had a line that was in the book. Trevor had a line that was in the book. Even Anne Marie had a line that was in the book. All all. That was direct nods uh, as to Forbidden. So I would technically say no. The original is not a black movie. It just has a black villain. But in terms of that, 
that was kind of special in of its in of its own because we never had a black villain. And and also, I would agree that Bernard Rose did take this in a good standstill with having Helen as the protagonist, since she was also the protagonist in the short stories. Mm -hmm. So yes, it is not a black film. The 2021 Mm. version is, although you have to alter a lot of information that will anger some people. How before we even get into that though, like I guess just (laughs) for people listening, maybe. Everybody got their own definition of these things, but how do you define a black movie? Like, how do you define it? I would have to, okay, I would have to define a black movie based on the example of Tales from the Hood. Because I would mm-hmm. find that to be a black movie focused on black characters, focused on the black villains. I think how they did their storytelling from Tales from the Hood, definitely better akin to Candyman. Because all are different, but I would say Tales of, uh, Tales of the Hood would be the perfect example of a black film for me. Okay, okay. Yeah. Uh, before I hop into it, I would say, Jackie, I don't know. How do you feel? I know I remember la- saying that in your ear, you laugh like a motherfucker. <laughs> I love making Because you whispered it in, in, in my ear. The credits were rolling, and he comes near my ear. He's like, I told you it was a black movie. <laughs> <laughs> that That's why I was laughing, Jackie. because you whispered it. I know. Um, <laughs> I know. <laughs> like, and what would, what would you define as a black movie as well? I guess the same way as JoJo said, because I mean, and I, I remember I spoke about this to to you before when we saw the remake, well, the the sequel slash prequel slash self reboot, and and an example of what I mean by what what is a black movie or something that that's for black people versus what it's not is an example of um how amazon did their own version of us i forgot the name of that show that everyone was talking about it oh uh, i think it was called them yes them. yes because um a lot of people were saying a lot of people were, were complaining about that fit about that series they're like oh my god this is terrible terrible and what i mean by it is, is similar to what jojo said like that has black leads black villains and the story is relatively black and relatable and it's by i mean yes them is also written by a black director and writer but them was written in a way where it was solely for white audiences where it's like hey we're gonna teach you this horrifying lesson of slavery and death and all the stuff so you could feel some empathy where it's like if we watch it it's just like we know this shit already like i don't want to see this again (laughs) like we know this versus where i mean yeah tales from the hood is such a good film and it's still i actually watched it recently with my boyfriend because he's never seen it before and we watched it and mm-hmm. he was just like oh my god and that is a good example of a black movie because it wasn't something where you felt uncomfortable watching it it was still good it was still entertaining it was pretty scary the, the subject matters of it because it's it's real it's realism whereas you're watching something like them that's something more horrific and uncomfortable because you know it You've seen it. Some people have lived through it. And it's like, we don't, we don't need to see that. We know this. Versus a, a, someone who is white who looks at that and they're like, oh my God, I can't believe that happened. Or oh my God. It's like, yeah, it does. It, it's shit like that happens. Um, I hope that makes sense. I'm sure people are like, what are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> but, it makes sense to me. I get what you mean. Yeah, like that's, that's what I mean. When I define of like what black movie is. Yeah, similar to like, Tales from the Hood. Um, Blade is a great movie as well. Oh, yeah. Of course. 
Uh, what Blade else? is black. Blade is blackity black. Like <laughs> he's a day walker. <laughs> he's a day walker. My man, wear all black. He wears shades. You rarely see his eyes. It's Wesley. Some motherfucking snipes. It don't get much black. Yes. Um. And also, like even non. I mean, Boys in the Hood is kind of horror. People think about it. Like it's it's drama, but it is horror. <laughs> like that movie. You mean Ice Cube. Yes, and you know, Ricky. That shit is a um, That is. Yeah. That is, yeah. <laughs> It is horrifying because that's relatable. That's real life. That's something real that happens. And that is what I define as something where it's like, it feels like I'm being seen. I relate to it. And I can enjoy it at the same time, be entertained by it and have conversations about it in a positive outlet. Rather than sitting down and being like, I can't believe that happened. Can you believe that's so crazy? It's just like, is it though? You know what I mean? Like, like that stuff yeah. isn't crazy and that's why i like candy men a lot i mean that's why that whole debate happened with the first one where they're like is it a black movie is it not a black movie um because the subject matter and even though candy man is very horrifying because it takes something real um you know the whole urban folklore which still happens today we do have our own versions of candy man but they're different faces which was smart than the costa did in the remake mm-hmm. but yeah but it felt like something that it's like well that is how the projects are i mean i live in the project so that's that's how it is you know it's nothing like you know new to me and it's just like okay i know how this is versus someone who looks like helen might be like oh my god is that how you live it's just like it's kind of dramatic and, and exaggerated but close but not exactly um but yeah okay cool I- I definitely agree with both of you on, on like most yeah on mo- like pretty much almost everything in what you're saying i think like i think just i guess based on what you guys said my de- my definition of a black film i guess is just loose <laughs> it's just really <laughs> loose because i've always just looked at films like hey well uh are the black people highlighted in some way is it beyond them just being seen as a stereotype whether they're the main character or not like is it beyond them just being a stereotype how are they how are they presented how are they highlighted and like, yes, Helen is the main character, but a big part of the story, and even early in the film, a big part of the story is about who Candyman was when he was alive. Like, they don't get into his name. I don't think they get too heavily into who his name was when he was alive and stuff like that. But they get mm-hmm. into like his lifestyle, and, you know, what led to the circumstances that created the urban legend, which I thought was really interesting. It, it captured, the movie captured certain aspects, like Jackie said, about being in the projects, it, ca- it captures certain aspects of that. Like, you know, people live in the projects. You see, not many white people live in the projects. Not many. I'm not saying they, not none. I'm just saying not many. So, you know, if you live in the projects and you see white people walking around, it's like some of the characters in the movie, they're like, yo, it's the cops. Like, everybody be careful. The cops is mm-hmm. here. <laughs> like, that, that, that felt totally accurate. Uh, how they approached them felt uh, accurate. Like, how they were perceived felt accurate. How Candyman was perceived before she knew about the urban legend and then even after felt like really accurate to both sides of the table and then you know like i said just because I, I guess i feel i've always felt like it was a black film in part because of how highlighted candy man was outside of just being a monster mm-hmm. and since some of the some of the stronger not stronger some of the main arguments were heard against the movie being considered black in any way was the fact that his love interest was a white woman and i was like i don't think that takes away <laughs> everything else that's happening here like it's just that you, you're looking at, I guess, in some way from a white lens, but as a black person watching it, you could kind of go, I know what these char- I know why these characters are acting and doing 
and moving the way they are because I'm familiar with that culture. And the movie is from Helen's perspective. So you miss certain, if you don't know, you could miss those components of it. But knowing that makes it interesting to me. Like, I, I just, I love how, like, the movie starts in, like, it's just an urban legend. And then Helen discovers, like, no, there's actually, like, this gangster dude who's been walking around and just basically co-opted the name purely to incite fear because there was already fear from that name. So he just took it and was like, I'm going to live that shit to add additional fear and make it my name, mm-hmm. which just makes perfect sense in, like, the context of that kind of neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And then for her to find out, oh, no, there's, like, an actual supernatural thing behind that. Like, that was just a dude who took the name. <laughs> there's something way bigger than that going on here. And it's like the people who live there knew that, but she couldn't have known that because she wasn't from there. And I just like that, that outsider versus insider, like angle of it. I just thought a combination of all of that and how the characters were, I was like, this feels like a black movie to me, but I'm mm. willing to sell it a bit. It's, it's fine. I'll take it either way. <laughs> it's a good movie, man. It's a good movie. You made, you made a good point there because the, the first, the first, at least technically the first line of the movie, like as it starts after um, Kenny Man's. Um, introduction was this is a story that I've heard and it's totally true which already plays into the urban legend myth for Helen to take Mm -hmm. from her thesis as she tries to dig more into it and actually finds the cassette quote unquote candy man that's when uh, in in the whole type of a urban legend uh, uh, things that work in their world he was like nah I can't take that lightly. I'm I'm gonna have to do something about it. And plus, if <laughs> and plus, if you consider the series as a whole, because I'm pretty sure by the second movie they refer to him now as Daniel Robotai. Um, there mm-hmm. is a constant, constant theme or connection that Helen Lyle might be the reincarnation of Daniel's wife. That's why he's so specific on making her a legend. And everyone else died. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I I wish she. I came across that three before. Yeah. That she was a reincarnation of his wife. And I also took it as in like to go back to what Kendall said about how Helen was looking at in her lens of like the supernatural thing, which is actually really true. Like even in certain neighborhoods, like my neighborhood or anywhere, like in some parts of Harlem in New York, like you have those areas, the zones, basically, because we're all separated by zones yeah. and shit um we all have our own live version of the boogeyman in some sense and i mean that really stems back to generational trauma so we can't erase that either that stems back all the way back it is but, kind of that and it's kind of a combination also of like how stories are told mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah you think about it like you you play a game of telephone the message gets lost by you get by the time you get to about the fifth person <laughs> so imagine trying to pass a story through years how to how parts of the story gets lost mm-hmm. that was one thing but i like back to that, i'm sorry mm-hmm. that was one thing i liked about how they did how they went forward with 2021's Candyman, with how that game of telephone ends up being helen yeah 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 because it was interesting how yeah because in the first one it was Ruthie Jean, and then the second one, it was like, oh, yeah, Helen Lyle, blah, blah. But um, the thing about Helen Lyle also, the other theory I've come across in, which now that we see the same thing when, and kind of similar thing they did with the 2020, with the new one, I mean, the Costa version is that when, you know, Helen did get her ass beat by, as JoJo says, you know, she, she stitched, she stitched on him, which I she did not snitch on him, okay? 
I mean, if that anything, was a real person. Exactly. Like, <laughs> he didn't snitch. But anyway, he came in and he was just like, blah, blah, blah. He had his four goons. He beat her up. You know, she got him arrested. And I feel because that was like his. That was, I feel like because Candyman is, is a supernatural being that was embedded in, into the neighborhood because of years what happened to him and then the whole generational thing of like being told that ghost story over and over and over and over. I feel like in a way, Candyman, well, the, the guy, the physical person was like an omitter for Candyman so that way they could always be in fear. And then once she locked him up, the supernatural, the Tony Todd being was just like, wait, I need people to still talk about me. I don't need people to think I'm not real because remember she told Jake, she's like, oh, he's not real. Yeah. It was just a man taking his name. And that's when he took interest in hell. And it was just like, well, you took away my omitter. So now I need a new one with a new face that's going to cause more fear. And what's more fear than a white face in a preparedly black neighborhood? That's scary as hell mm-hmm. when she's covered in Great blood and, and, and accused of killing all these, these, the dog, taking the baby, doing all these, all these murder, killing her friend Bernadette. Like, you know, and then she's seen as the crazy white lady who took this and then was just like, well, she's just a crazy white romanticizing this character, blah, 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 which we've seen that before in many tropes, many movies. But for this, they did it for a narrative point where it's just like, she's now the omitter now. She's Candyman's omitter. Like, she needs to pass the message around that, no, he might be gone, but I'm still here. I still exist. Mm-hmm. I just have a new face now. I love the way you said that. That is so accurate. It is. So fucking accurate. Oh, actually, actually, you know, actually, 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 mm-hmm. actually, may, may, may I just say, um, actually, no, you continue your thought, because I already forgot my thought. I'll, <laughs> I'll, find, I'll find it. <laughs> Damn, I forgot what I was gonna say too. <laughs> <laughs> but oh, oh wait, no, I got it. Yeah, yeah. Because um, you know, again, watching this film, you know, I've seen it I actually saw it like a lot of times when I was younger that I didn't understand and then I watched it as an adult and I was like, wow. And then watching it again now, like I never really saw that of what he was doing with Helen. You know, we have these articles and stuff like that about like well Helen was this and Helen was that and she romanticizes mm-hmm. it and she was you know, she was more interested in the whole, like, you know, this and that and the permanent, you know, imprint of, like, the the the, the project itself of how they view, you know, white people, yeah. the legends and whatnot. But then when I, when I realized when he, when she, you know, locked the guy up and then he right away instantly, the, like, I think a couple days later was just like, hey, what's up, Helen? <laughs> Popped up with his nice coat and all. He was just like, hello, yeah. be my victim. That's when I saw it as an, okay, he's not trying to, like, have someone take the place of his wife. It's like, yes, that is part of it, but he needs a new emitter. He needs someone to have the image, to emit fear in Cabrini, Bean, in Cabrini Green, because that's where his resting place was. He needs to keep fear in that whole neighborhood. And it's crazy looking now, like, Cabrini Green, I mean, Cabrini Green is literally gone now. <laughs> Because of yeah. gentrification, like, that doesn't even exist anymore. It's wild. Ew. It's probably a neighborhood we probably would have never heard of unless you were from Chicago. We probably mm-hmm. would never heard of it without this movie. Oh, there was also it was also the fact of um when Candyman first met Helen, uh, he did say to her, "You weren't content with the stories, so I was obliged to yep. come." That's that's what that's what brought everything full circle yeah. for me. And definitely. 
That was one of my favorite lines in the yeah, movie. Even <laughs> even if even as Helen was like having these all these bodies um toward her, and she still ends up running to Trevor because that might be the one sliver of hope she has left, only for it to be completely struck down because of Stacy. Oh my god! The <laughs> it's not moment, of Stacey. Yeah, no, dude. The moment we saw Stacy, the moment we saw the interaction, he's like, <laughs> and she's like just staring at him. And like the way her face just like changed when Helen came in, like, oh, this bitch. This is like a bitch, you moving yeah. in. Like you was a home wrecker. Yeah. Like like it you go a, home. Go one. go drink your chocolate milk and spot watch some, some SpongeBob. Like go home. Like at least at least honestly, just, at least we know the main character Helen is not stupid because she sees that coming and then Trevor has to be uh, so much of a dick to actually admit that he is, that she is madly in love with him, which is fucking true. Oh yeah, <laughs> Helen. No, Helen was smart the whole way through. You know, like she was smart enough. I, actually, I like the kind of work that she was doing, like finding out the stories behind myths. I thought, like in Urban Legends, I thought that that's a fucking dope, like thing to try to be like famous for. <laughs> like mm-hmm. that's that's fucking cool. That's like really cool. I thought that was cool. I thought that was cool that her husband was into it. I thought it was cool that even in some way they kind of showed us that she doesn't know everything because she didn't know the original story to Candyman until she sat down with her husband and like this guy I think who, who used to be that professor yeah, or something professor. like that who was a friend who was in the field mm-hmm. a lot longer than them and because when she was like oh we're gonna like because you know Helen was just so excited to like write this paper we're gonna destroy you <laughs> yeah she was like yeah we're gonna like ruin you we're gonna show that you're like a nobody basically that's basically what she said to him and then he was just like oh with what and she was like Candyman and he was like oh Candyman like I wrote about that forever ago. Like you, you don't, you don't know the story. And then he even, even he had to tell her the real story because she didn't know. Which just like further points out to me how stories are told. Because urban legends, like all of these monsters that we've had, and I remember listening to like a really awesome podcast episode of like I think it was po- this podcast doesn't uh, exist anymore. They don't make new episodes. But it was a podcast called the Crack Podcast. They did like pop culture stuff. But they did a really awesome episode about like the origin of monsters. And it just like kind of put a lot of things in context about like how, you know, how humans have created the monsters that we've ha- gotten. Right. So mm-hmm. like me and Jackie mentioned it even during the witch episode, where it was like, you know, witches a lot of the time, not to say that there weren't people actually practicing witchcraft and that that stuff works or not, because I don't want to get hexed. So I'm not going to say you don't, <laughs> but the correct the answer time, is yes, were, it does. <laughs> it exists. I'm going to just go with it because I, I don't dwell in it. So I'm going to assume it works. But. A lot of the time, the people who were accused of those things who weren't actually doing it were just like women that were, you know, considered different. Women that were considered like not acting appropriate to society or what, to what society expected. And same even for like werewolves and a lot of other things. Like some of this stuff got labeled on people who were just like mentally disabled or had different issues going on that were just considered outside the norm. So it's really nice that like Candyman, in a way, kind of was, con- it, he's, he becomes this urban legend. In the sense that people are like, yo, I don't know where this came from. She's trying to disprove it because she's like, these monsters aren't real. But at the same time, when she finds out the actual story, you're like, yeah, the real monster of the story is the people who killed him. Not necessarily him. Because as people have always joked and said, if you don't call Candyman, he does not bother you. (laughs) Like, this is not like Freddy Krueger or like Jason. Like, Freddy... You live on Elm Street, and they, of course they expanded beyond that, but you live on Elm Street, and then you, he starts to terrorize your dreams. You don't really have a say in that. You just live in this environment, and that happens. Jason Voorhees, if you end up on, you know, Crystal Lake, he comes to get you. Candyman, just don't call me. As long as you don't call me, you have no problems. And this community could have literally just lived with, like, remnants of the original story. But she wasn't even content with that. And it, it was like, I thought that was just really fascinating, because finding out the real story 
seemed to scare her more than the idea of the monster. Oh, which, yeah. which also segues into what I was going to say with how the movie is shot. It is not shot like your traditional movie. It takes a more like gothic-esque type story which i like because you never see that you never see that especially when it comes to a, a black villain like a uh, candy man because the, the whole story is different it's not made like your typical horror movie and of course i, I saw the featurettes from bernard rose he did not like the way that he does not like the scream queen you know trend that's going on he did like the fact that she was that uh, helen when she sees candy man she it's sort of entranced, which kind of makes it a little bit more yeah. on like the creepiness on on the on a little disturbing because the, when you see him, you really can't move. You're you're basically stuck there. And may I also say that Bernard Rose actually did a technique. It was a mental hypnosis on Virginia Madsen whenever it comes to certain scenes, like the dinner scene when she was being explained the origin mm -hmm. of Candyman. Uh, when she first saw Candyman. Uh, oh yeah, definitely when she was at the house and Candyman invaded her personal space, and the last one when she tried to confront him. Mm -hmm. Oh, so that's why she looks so like. That's why she looked like water. Yeah, ride. that's why she looks so entranced because um, Bernard was actually having her up there under under hypnosis. And you wouldn't know. That's you wouldn't have known that because she she was very she was she was so tied into it. Of course, like she got tired of it at at a certain point. So I think that was by the last scene because she, <laughs> I would assume so. yeah, because you're, you're, you acting for hypnosis. Of course, it's just going to, uh, it's going to be meh on your brain, but you know, mm -hmm. Bernard did it different. I got to give it up to him for, for doing that. Yeah. We're mad props. Cause That's like it's to even add on to the element of like how entranced she looked it. And I've heard people mention this. I think I even heard Nia DaCosta mention it when she was talking about like working on the, the film, the latest film that she did. Like the movie is like kind of romantic. It's like really, it's it feels weird at first because that's not what you expected from the creature. Yep. But it's like it's romantic. Like don't get me wrong, when Candyman showed up, I went, "Oh shit, this is one of the flyest motherfuckers I ever seen in my life." Like even to this day, watching the movie, my man Tony Todd had the power stance. He was standing in the light where he could, she could not miss him. <laughs> just power stance, head tilted back, like you were looking for me. Like he just, he was vibing. My man had the coat. Had he had the, the hound two pants, had his nice shoes on. The man was fly as hell. He he looked he the dude looked damn good, and it's just like oh shit, this dude looks awesome. But like the way he talks to her is like so seductive, and I don't mean like oh black people sound seductive shit. I mean like no, he like legit is, is talking to this woman <laughs> in the most seductive and romantic way he could about dying and about what her existence will be after she leaves this plane. Like yeah, it's like kind of very similar to like how we were talking about how vampires. Like, we, even when we did Black Blackland, we were talking about how, like, he wanted to turn the woman, but he didn't want it to be without her consent. It was, like, a similar thing here, where he was kind of like, I want you to be a, be a part of Legend with me, but I kind of don't want to force you to do it. And he had moments of, like, kind of nudging harder than he, he was planning on originally. But a lot of it was him kind of just being like, this isn't bad. This is a good thing. Like, that was kind of how he was talking to her about everything. He's like, I know not existing anymore seems terrible, but it's actually, it's actually pretty rewarding when people just mention your name and so you don't even have to do anything. You don't even have to be. But you, you, but you exist. I was like, it's like the most romantic way you can tell somebody we need to move on from here. Basically. <laughs> oh, my God. For real. Yeah. I mean, even the way he was just like, be my victim. And you're just like, okay. 
it was a request. I'm chill, I'm chill being a victim. Dang. It was. Yeah, it's it was like, a okay. request too. It wasn't even a threat. It was a request. Yeah, <laughs> it was just like, come Helen, be my victim. But I'm just like, okay, do I go now or do I pack my stuff? Like, how are we moving <laughs> to your place? Are we doing some? <laughs> like mystical portal transitions like how are we doing this can, i don't mind can i have i don't know about the bees <laughs> can i have like this major um kind of like inconsistent part of the movie of like how jake was the only one to see helen or Candyman because he only saw the hook go into the bonfire it was able to round up everybody just to go to the bonfire in a span of like maybe five or ten seconds after he's seen that <laughs> well yeah, that was a little strange, but he did mention earlier in the film that they're planning a bonfire. That's why all those chairs were out there, and that was days before. Yeah, because I, I think, yeah, it's like an annual thing. It seemed thing. like an event. Yeah, it yeah. seemed like a thing that they just do. Like, the, nobody, once again, we wouldn't know why they do it, because we're the outsider. We're looking from Helen's view. But he mm-hmm. told her when he was walking her around, because he was like, you really want to see Candyman? And she was like, yeah. And then they like went outside and all those cheers were just like piled up in one spot. Like, uh, and she was like, what's going on? He's like, oh, we're having the bonfire coming up. So like they knew when it was going to happen. It's just it's, it's kind of funny that it all fell into place over the course the of same day. Say, like oh, five days. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> yep. It was like a few days. It wasn't the yeah. same day. But also you have to remember too, like um, not even just horror related, you know, that whole thing that kids can easily see things that we can't as we get older. Like they're more spiritually inclined to the other world so it makes sense mm-hmm. that him as a child can see this apparition of candy man for me and that's when he whispered to me so i was like candy he's like candy man in there and then you know everyone was just like oh he's in there blah. that's a great point yeah really so point. we have to remember and that too believes. is that yeah he does because again like he's a child and i'm sure with with any urban legend any myth like and I mean, this is true in my culture too. Uh, the more you believe in it, the more it's real. Mm-hmm. If you don't, and it kind of ties into like what Skeleton Key did too, which is a great top tier movie about hoodoo and voodoo. Oh my god! Um, and they put that. It, it's true. It's like if you believe in it, it's real. If you don't, then it's not gonna affect you. Similar to how you said that, how if you're not gonna say his name five times, he's not gonna bother you. The same way, if you don't believe in Freddy Krueger, he's not gonna really bother. He'll try. But it's not going to work if you're not scared. Because fear is not so much fear, but like um, brave and strength and not being scared of the unknown or not being scared of this, this, this being. Then that's their weakness and they can't do anything to you. And, you know, and that, that kind of ties into him taking over Helen of like, you know, like you have to you know, be my victim, show more fear. Yeah, Candyman's basically like uh, black people's La Llorona. <laughs> Pretty much. Really you know, is. He really is. I mean, he's like, I don't Which discriminate. Every culture has somebody. Yeah, every culture has somebody. I think about, I know, I'm, I can only imagine half the stories that Jackie could tell me about, like, uh, her culture yeah. and the different types of stories I've never heard. I've only heard a few from, like, some of my friends, so I can only imagine all the other ones I don't know about different creatures and folklore, and every culture has it. But the funny, mm-hmm. the, like, just like this movie, you don't know unless you're a part of that culture. And that's what makes it interesting. Like, you can do this movie with a different culture and, and, and it could still work. Like, it could have been an indigenous culture. We, if you don't know their, their customs and you don't know what monsters they fear, you're walking into the complete unknown. <laughs> and that's what this movie really was. And I love that. 
Oh, any um, I do like the fact that they held it. They held if Candyman was real for the first forty-four minutes of it because that all that does play into the is this myth? Is this legend? Is Helen just being a, a a dick by by just doing what she did by the end? <laughs> only for only for it to actually work and to bring him in, and that's when that's when every everything was like falling into place for making the myth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's crazy because like. You know, similar to how when I mentioned my culture and, you know, we did a movie, you know, like Adora and the Witch and a lot of these folklores, including Candyman, it, it, it's it's based on tragic. It's based on something that, that's horrific yeah. and tragic. And then like telephone, it just morphs into something where the victim is now the monster. And for here, Candyman and his wife pretty much were both the victims of this tragic story, which. I think the reason why this movie is still such a staple because it 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 basically puts a whole like poster in people's face of like yes this movie is about race let's not forget about that and which it, it's funny because like, I read an article how Bernard was worried that the film was going to come off as racist when it first came out but people still saw it as in well this is racist and it's like well which people are saying it's racist. Who exactly saying it that this movie is racist? Because I mean, the fact that let alone when the moment they say that how like oh Candyman was once a slave, he fell in love with a white woman, uh, he impregnated her. They basically lynched him in their own way, which it was it was a lynching basically. That's something that happened back in the day and still kind of does because biracial couples are still frowned upon. That's still. That's still a taboo that still happens today. And I'm sure people are just like, well, it's 2022. Yeah. Have you been to the South? <laughs> like, <laughs> it's 2022, some, depending on where you live. <laughs> yeah. Like, there's some places in the South, like Kendall mentioned before, there's still like sundown time limits now. There's, there's still places where you're not allowed to be who you are. You're not allowed to be with who you want to be. Places like that still exist to this day. And the moment they mention that, you're just like, okay, yeah. I get why this is like that. It's fucked up. He should not be seen as a villain. I mean, yes, he's a villain for what he's doing. But at the same time, it's like, but he was a victim. Like, we can't, like, people can't pretend and, 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 and erase the fact that he was a victim. And which is why he was villainized. Which we do see sometimes in movies. When it comes to certain characters, primarily, you know, black, indigenous, people of color. Sometimes they're the victim and they're villainized later on. And it's just like, well, that doesn't seem fair. That's not right. Um, is he justifiable for his killings? I mean, he was doing all this for the sake of Helen, which is kind of weird. But in the remake, <laughs> it's just like, you know what? He's not wrong. <laughs> well, in the he, other Costa version, he, he did nothing wrong. He had to drive some point of insanity to for her to get the point. Like, it, it had, like, even though he didn't, yeah, he could have just sliced Helen up, movie over. <laughs> like, yeah. that could have been it. She called him, he appears, cut her in half, the movie's done. That could have been it. But it seemed like he he had to tell her a deeper step. He had to tell her a deeper story. He had to drive her crazy for her to get the point that like, nah, this is this is what it's gonna be like. <laughs> this is your life now. Like this is it. There's no escaping this. You call me. This is how I chose to answer the bell. And uh, you know, prior to that, which like it's, this is the whole thing about urban legends that's just really fascinating to me because like I said, how the stories are told, what parts of the story come through, what parts of what, right? 
Mm-hmm. So you you have that aspect of this story where this would actually happen, right? The woman was home. She called the cops because there was a weird noise coming through her walls. She said, something's going on in my walls. I don't know what. There's some weird noise. It sounds like somebody's coming through it. The cops ignored her, which for I can tell you firsthand that has happened to me living in the projects. Mm-hmm. Cops have definitely ignored calls, calls I've made. That shit is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I'm not even going to get into it, but that shit is ridiculous. So I was like, I understand that feeling entirely. And she called several times for several days complaining about this problem. And then one day, her neighbor heard her screaming horrifically. It sounded like somebody was being attacked. And eventually, the cops came, and they found her murdered in her house. And it turns out that this man climbed through her, bath, her bathroom window. But yeah, through her bathroom mirror, because there is a just only thing separating her from the other apartment was like a space in a wall. It wasn't like a whole new like divider that they built to like truly separate the apartments, which only tells you about the kind of shit they, went, they did when building these buildings. Uh, they didn't build like a whole deep layer in between it was just like a block that she can basically push out of the back of her window her, her bathroom mirror and then go into the other apartment and the person did utilize something similar to that to get into her apartment and attack her yeah it, and helen of course she discovered that as well so like that's and then they thought that was candy man so that but yeah get you got onto that yeah they they cut co- um if i remember helen did say that they they, they covered the walls in plaster and the only thing that's mm-hmm. like an entryway from the apartment they're in versus uh, the other apartment that they're in is literally the bathroom mirrors because it, there's no there's no layer between those. That's how people were people could be able to go through somebody's apartment through the bathroom window without them knowing, which is a skit, which is already a scary thing to know about when you're like living in a condo apartment that was once a housing project. Yeah, and it's, yeah, yeah and it's, it was and, crazy. Yeah, and it's crazy because I think what was it last year, two years ago, a woman did a TikTok video where that she was mm-hmm. in her apartment in New York City, and she was mm-hmm. just like this whole there's this whole other apartment behind this, like this whole other thing, and I think the building, uh, the person who was in charge of that whole building, notify workers. I think they did cover it up with brick or something to be like, oh, we gotta fix this. And I mean, yeah, because like anything could happen with that, you know, just that little block. And you saw how easily in Helen's apartment, she was able to just pry it down. Yeah. Easily, just yeah. like, bloop, you know, and it's just crazy. But yeah, back to the whole like Ruthie Jean thing. Yeah. And that too, the one, I mean, I remember when I first, when I first saw the movie and they said that, and of course, as a child, I didn't really understand that at the time. But then when I rewatched it again as an adult and I'm just like. That is relatable, and I remember Martin made a, made a joke about that once. When when someone came into his house, a plumber, and he had a heart attack, and they had to call nine one one, and they had to he had to put a fake white voice. The cops will come <laughs> to to check on the plumber that had a heart attack in his house, and it's actually very true. And you see videos of people trying to pretend a white voice, so that way they could be like, "Oh no, we gotta you know save this white person." And it's 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 really fucked up that that still happens today. You know, so many 911 calls basically, you know, done by, you know, black, indigenous, person of color is always ignored. It's never seen as serious or it's responded very, very late. And it's just like, oh, well, we got here and this happened. Like, yeah, because it already happened. It's too late now. Like, where were you? Man, that shit happened to me. Oh my God, that shit happened. Mm. <laughs> I called the cops one. This was a long time ago. But I remember I called the cops one time because of a noise complaint I was making. These motherfuckers showed up two hours later and was like, What are you talking about? It's quiet out here. I was like, I called you two hours ago, sir. Like, what are you talking about? It's, yeah, it's quiet now. It's been two hours. He was like, Oh, 
Well, it's all right now. And I'm just like, okay, sir, <laughs> you have a good yeah. day. Because if, cause if you get mad at them, you know, the cops are going to turn around and be like, I don't understand why you're so angry. So I was just like, you know what, sir, you, you have a good one. You you have a good one. But that's that that's wild. That's wild as hell. But Jackie, you mentioned the white voice. It's, fun, it's funny because it, uh, you, you, you guys ever saw the movie Sorry to Bother yes. You? Yes, I have. Yeah. Very good movie. Uh, I love that movie. Yes. I love that movie. Hello, I, sir. I I Thank you for calling. <laughs> I love that movie. I love how, uh, for those who haven't seen it, if you've never seen Sorry to Bother You, if you want a good fucking laugh, watch that movie. It has a good level of like comedy, social commentary, just everything. The movie is fucking awesome. And, and the cast is great. It's, it I know Sam my husband's Kevin in it. Thompson. It's a good. Who? The lead. Who, uh, uh, <laughs> Oh, Lakeith Stanfield? I th- yes, yeah, that's my Stanfield. husband. You're about the Asian dude whose name is slipping my mind. Yeah, the, the cast of that movie is great. The cast of that movie is awesome. Uh, <laughs> and it's just a, there's a scene in it where, like, the, uh, Donald Glover, not the rapper, but Donald Glover from Lethal Weapon. He, uh, <laughs> I think it's Danny Glover. No, I think it's Danny. Yeah, I think it's Danny, Danny. yeah. I'm getting mixed up. Yeah, Danny Glover from Lethal Weapon. He uh, talks to Lakeith Stanfield's character because they basically work in a call center and they call people and, like, I think sign them up for insurance or something like that. And he leaned over to him and was like, hey, man, um, you know why this isn't working for you? He was like, what? You need to use your white voice. And he was like, what? You need to use your white voice. He was like, my white voice? He said, you know what I'm talking about. That voice you use in job interviews. That, vo- that voice you use when you call the police. You need to use your white voice. And I bet you you'll start hitting sales in no time. And then he did it. And it worked. <laughs> it fucking worked. It worked so well. <laughs> yeah. That movie's awesome. I love that movie. so interesting. And a lot of body horror in that movie. <laughs> Oh, especially about it. Spoiler alert. Yeah, spoiler alert. Horses. That's all they will say. Horses. <laughs> oh, man. Also, man, also mentioned that our character, Helen, also was like self-aware about the subtle racism when it came to her, came to them calling the cops, doing nothing, having a murder happen yes. versus her, mm-hmm. her being attacked and them locking the whole place down. Yes. Yeah, that that was about that. That was when I know Bernard was doing his shit. It's not even Bernard. It was the writer of it. Yeah, it was definitely the writers of Candyman who who knows about the subtle racism. Facts. Facts. Because they could have did that very differently. She could have not been so it could have never been mentioned. And we all been sitting there like, well, yeah, of course the cops came like a white woman walked to the project. Like, because that is a thing. So, but they, mm-hmm. they definitely mention it and they definitely mention every step of the way, even when she was um, interacting with uh, the, I can't remember the woman's name. Who Anne, Anne Marie. I don't know why it slipped my mind. Anne Marie. Yes, when she yeah. was interacting with her and she was, she was like, I'm not just, I'm not here to be like exploited. Cause you know, Anne Marie was like, what do you want? Like, what do you have? You cops or something? Like, what do you want? And she's like, no, I just want to talk to you about the stuff over that's happening here. But like, I'm not trying to be exploited. Like I want to actually write like the actual story. I'm not here to just like pick up and get information and leave, as you said, everyone before me has, uh, which is probably how they actually they probably found out the original urban legend that way. They probably just talked to a lot of people who were from there, got the story or, or talked to somebody, and got the story, like no telling how they actually got the original, original story. So, yeah, Helen was super, super aware of all of that stuff. And it was oh, I like Helen. Helen yeah, was yeah. great, man. Helen's a damn good character. Yeah, like she she yeah, but she did everything to get that story. It was just. It made me laugh every time when she was just like, okay, I'm going to go here. And Bernadette just gave her that face, was just like, child, what are you doing? Like, Bernadette was like, I can't believe we're going to Cabrini Green. I can't believe we're going into that wall. I can't believe we're doing this. Like, wait, I love when um when they first went to Ruthie Jean's apartment and they saw the hole behind the mirror. And, you know, Helen was just like, I'm going to go in and take a couple pictures. 
And Bernadette was just like, and what if there's someone in there doing like, you know, coke or, or heroin? What are you going to do? Say sorry and give you the card? That's not going to work. And I love how <laughs> she said that because it's true. You know, whenever something happens where, you know, a white person comes in and you're just like, oh, I'm sorry, sir. I'm so and so here. Take my card. That doesn't work sometimes. You know, if you're in the wrong neighborhood or wrong area, a car is like going to do nothing. Don't throw it out the first chance like, you okay, see what it. is this piece of paper? Like, that doesn't mean anything to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or just attack you either way if that's what that person planned on doing. Yeah. And in a way, like, I wrote in my notes, I was like, Helen, even though, yeah, she was self-aware, she had this whole thing of, like, I want to get the story across. I want to get a real true story, not just some, like, you know five minute of fame type of story no i want a real thing she was Mm -hmm. still kind of following that trope of the curious white character you know like we see that all the time in haunted house movies or even slasher movies just like oh my god let's investigate it i mean we could say it goes all the way back to the scooby Doo, the scooby-doo days where you're like yeah let's split up let's investigate (laughs) but i like how in a way it kind of got her in trouble when she met the gang, you know, the gang who was taking the name Candyman and she got her ass beat out of it. And I, the level of fear that Jake had when that happened, where she, he was just like, you know, you lied to me. You said it was secret, blah, blah, because she knew what would happen if they found out that he's the one that told her and he's the one that led her there, even though they kind of did see him aside, yeah. aside the thing. But they didn't know that it was him who took her there. And when you're in a neighborhood like that, especially like mines and, you know, everywhere in the city or anywhere around the country, you have that whole code of like, you say something, you're going to get basically hit or killed be in trouble. or targeted. Yeah, like you're just going to be annihilation after like, you know, basically no retaliation for it. And I love how she understood that. And that's when she first told detective like like um what's gonna happen to jake and he was just like no he's good we have you you have a key you're a key witness to it and in a way like she was relieved that he wasn't gonna be be sent to the witness office or any of that because she knew what would happen to this child and the same thing with Anne marie when she was saying that how like she wasn't just scared of Candyman taking her kid but she was scared of the neighborhood taking her child as he grows because there's always that fear of like when you grow up in a certain neighborhood or area you know parents are always just like oh i don't want my kids to be in the streets i don't want my kids to be that and i know i personally know friends from my neighborhood who moved to suburban place because they were like i want my child to have what i didn't have i wanted to live a good life um so that also was very like that was real too her real fear as a mother not just a mother but a black woman too just say May I just say that um, I want to give another shout out to Bernard. He also directed and wrote the screenplay that one, uh, two, how he wrote the screenplay and the black characters. It was he definitely did not put his hand in it. He made it really authentic to the perspective of, oh, they probably don't even want to talk much to the white characters because they might think that they're cops uh, akin to them actually traveling to Cabrini Green because that those were the actual apartments yep. of the Cabrini Green apartment. So now it's basically a timepiece because we're never going to see that ever again. So we've seen the interior of how we mm-hmm. how it actually looks like back in 92. A lot of graffitis, um, actual gang leaders that they were filming. But, you know, I, I'm pretty sure they were cool with it, but they had to like um, voice over some lines for it. So that was those are actual gang leaders in the actual Cabrini, Cabrini Green apartment. So 
this movie just turned into a freaking timepiece for me because of who <laughs> and yeah, that's what man, i mean it, yeah time caps and yeah and that's what i mean by when when writers and directors who are white and they're telling a story that is in the perspective of a person of color they do it justifiable and right and it doesn't mm-hmm. feel like it's not for us it's for only a specific type of audience and i've seen that many times and i've always and i remember um I spoke about that to someone else too, where it's like, you can tell, you can tell when a film or a show is not for you. You can tell, yeah. like they'll have characters written and you're like, oh, I'm sure I'll relate to it. But then you watch it and you're just like this. I don't get this. This I don't understand this versus someone else would be like, oh, my God, wasn't that episode <laughs> like crazy? Oh, my God. And it's just like, well, I mean, it wasn't <laughs> crazy because I saw that last week. I saw that yesterday. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, like it's 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 interesting. You know, it's just interesting how like you can tell when something is written for you versus about you, but it's like over dramatic or romanticized or villainized in a way that makes you go like, okay, that's this isn't this is for them, but they could learn a lesson, you know, quote unquote. And it's just it's just crazy, and it's kind of tiring how some of these movies, um, not to say because Nia DaCosta also kind of had that debate as well. A lot of people liked her vision. Some people did not like her vision because they were just like, "Oh, guys, more social justice. We really saw that we're tired of this." And um, well, yeah. and that's when I brought up with the whole like, "Well, is Candyman a black movie?" The both the both of them and it still has a debate going on and it's just like it's just interesting <laughs> i don't think it's much of it <laughs> i'm being biased i don't think it's much of a debate i just don't i think i think now since these movies seem to so commonly have social commentary granted they've always had right like mm-hmm. we, i feel like we have to look at this a few ways on one angle horror has been kind of revigorated like re-energized as a genre as a whole in mm-hmm. like the past six seven years pretty much just around get out mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i think even get out was before, before like hereditary and all that if i recall it was i think yeah, yeah. so like around get out it was like it kind of re-energized the genre as a whole i don't mean for people who already always loved it like pretty much all three of us here and probably most of the people listening for the most part um i don't it didn't re-energize it as a whole for us because we were we were in the genre we already liked the genre like, we were always like yo this, this genre is great uh but for people who like weren't super familiar with the genre i never really looked at horror i guess you could say seriously or looked at it beyond just like a few cool kills or or jason Voorhees. every energized the genre for them so so to them it's like that's kind of the benchmark for them of like what is a good horror movie and like what kind of social how social commentary could be good for them so mm-hmm. i think with that lens for those people which i think is a bigger majority than the people who actually are horror fans now they're just seeing more horror movies and then they see them having some level of social commentary, which they've always had, but now they're just noticing it more because they, they're, they're plugging in. They go, oh, people are just making social commentary for the sake of social commentary. And it's like, it was always there. You just weren't a part of it before. Like, yeah. Tales from the Hood has always been around and tons of other movies been around. Even if you want to say Nightmare on Elm Street, have always been around and even those films have some level of social commentary. You just, they, they weren't plugged in. So, that that's really what it is more than anything else and i think that's why those people go oh this character is racist or this thing is racist or i'm getting tired of the social commentary these things have always been here that's why i said that to you even jackie when we were watching the movie and i was like yo it's always a black movie 
Because, like, people always was like, it's not a black... The people who did see it was like, it's not a black movie because it's love interest is white. But then now, with the, t- the 2021 movie, she made it clear, like, this movie has social commentary. And then it's like, if you've never seen the original, mm-hmm. then you won't know that this franchise has always had social commentary. If mm-hmm. you've only seen the 2021 version, you're going to be like, yo, they just added social commentary into every goddamn thing. But if you've clearly seen the original, the originator, my man Tony Todd... You know this story has always had social commentary, and I think that's why even the 2021 one resonated with me a lot, because I just think she took the story a little bit further. Yeah. Like, she took what they had. She was like, I ain't about to retell the story. Like, this is the good damn story. But what I am going to do is I'm going to add on to the story, and I think that's what she did with the 2021 version. She was just like, yeah, like, she basically said, kind of like how people look at, you know, she used the... uh the idea of like, you know, police brutality and just other injustices against black people to kind of connect the dots. But she's basically was just like, there's more than one Candyman. Like, there's just not one. It's just who's yours. That's kind of who this, what the story said, basically. And mm-hmm. I'm like, how does that not connect to the original story? This is all the same story. It's just a love interest. Now, the, the main guy now is not in love with a white woman. That changed. But the whole story wasn't purely about him being in love with a white woman. That's a piece of the injustice. Is what mm-hmm. happened during that relationship. That's just the piece. That's not the whole story. Yeah. The whole story is everything else that happens. That's a part of the black experience. Yeah. It's it's great. I I really like how she kind of connected that dot and, and just took it further. Took it even further for people to go, yeah, yeah. If you ain't get it before, <laughs> motherfucker, you ain't gonna get it now. It was but always. I, also, but I, <laughs> I just love that. I, I like that. What I also I like, could see is that. Um, yeah, I mean, it's true. Uh, definitely, and correct me if I'm off. Uh, the movies before definitely were for for horror definitely where it's just you know uh five stupid kids get killed somewhere by a serial killer i do like the way that this this changed the overall setting character development and the way the story <laughs> was told because it wasn't focused on the kills it was mostly it was mostly focused on the story and its two leads and with this being like a blueprint i could i could see how like back maybe in in the in the tens that's when horror took a dramatic shift in tone because the odds were definitely terrible <laughs> when it comes to when it came to that because it was just weird slashers or just remakes that were really bad the only only one in the odds that were good was maybe freddy versus jason but it still you know followed the formula of you know stupid kids get involved in fight between slasher and slasher i do like that this makes a huge turning point later on because it shows how significant that the storytelling from Candyman was inspired for all of these other writers and directors, especially mostly coming from Blumhouse, basically alter alternating the story of how horror movies are now being made. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because, um, you know, we're going to talk also a bit about the music. Ah. The music for this film is what made it so iconic, and it's so funny because I read that um, Philip Glass, Philip Glass, I believe, yeah, Philip Glass, who did the who did the soundtrack, who did the composing sound. I read an article that how like um, it's funny because when he made this when he made this the score for the film, he said that how like he thought he was making a score for um, the original tale from Clive Barker. And then when he saw the film, he saw that how it, it was not what he thought it was going to be. It was like a slasher film. He was disappointed by it. But then after years passed and he saw how successful it was, people were talking about it. 
his tune changed, of course, and he was just like, "Does he?" Yeah. Still I'm one of my favorite. Still one of my favorite scores out of out of out of basically anything. Yes. I would always listen to. Yeah. I would always listen to the track. Um, it was always you, Helen. That was my favorite song out of the whole score. That shit made me cry. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it's beautiful. I, I think the reason why he even felt that way is just once again because of the perce- the preconceived notion of how, what the horror genre offers. So that's mm-hmm. why he felt that way. He's like, oh, it's just a goddamn slasher. And when we call it a slasher, like, and as you know, people in the genre call it a slasher because we know what that means. Mm-hmm. It's a subsection of, of horror or a subgenre of horror, if you want to call it that. We know what we mean when we say that, but I think the average person who was not a, like, digged into the genre or really like lo- loved the genre like that they just look at it as like a a, a stupid blood and guts film yeah. so like if you look at it from that angle it's like yo this is stupid i just came up with this <laughs> epic ass soundtrack for this dumbass movie where people just get hacked up but f- people <laughs> but people within the genre who watch this shit we know like a movie a movie could be a slasher and offer you a lot more than that and i think yeah. like it's just it's always a matter of like like anything else, right? Like I always say, even with hip hop and stuff like that, with anything else, it's like when does the mainstream culture or the pop culture catch up to what catch up to that? So like I don't feel like, and this is my personal opinion to kind of add on to something that JoJo was saying. I don't feel like Get Out was okay, cool. We have now elevated this this for, this form of media. I don't feel like Get Out was that. And I love Get Out. Get Out is a great movie. I mm-hmm. watch it. It's actually surprisingly a good rewatch. I watch it several times, but I don't feel like that movie reinvented the genre i just feel like that movie was the most mainstream version of of a good form of horror that's all it was it was like the most popular version because this movie has all of that character development that you get in a type of movie like get out this movie has that kind of character development and level of story so what we really what we really got with Get Out was just the most popular version that people finally felt comfortable latching onto. Like people, thank God, to you know social media and all of these things, where now you could throw a trailer out and it bounces out to somebody on the other side of the world. So like, thank God for all of that, and thank God for marketing that could help with that. But that that movie just was it made it was that level of accessible that it kind of clicked like that. But uh, to go back to I think a comment that Jackie said when she said when some people saw this originally or some people saw parts of the movie, they probably only saw the trailers. Yep. I feel like that's where a lot of time criticism be coming from. People probably saw the trailer for this movie and was like, yo, this movie racist, <laughs> motherfucker. We got a black boogeyman. <laughs> like, I'm sure somebody said that. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, okay, cool. If you, if you, that's how they hooked you. They hooked you with the black boogeyman. You sit down and watch the movie, you realize this ain't just a black boogeyman. It's a dude who experienced terrible injustice, and that's what turned him into a boogeyman. Uh, that, that's, that's very different. So for the black people could look at it, because I remember my father even doing that with some movies. He would see movies, that's some racist shit. And he didn't even see the movie. He just see like a five seconds of a trailer. So I uh, sure a black person can maybe look at them like that's kind of racist that the black dude is villain. But a white person could also watch this movie, get to the actual story where you find out this man was his hand was chopped off for being in love with a white woman before impregnating a white woman, despite his level of like success and wealth within his family. Because it wasn't just for people who might not have seen this movie. He wasn't just like a he wasn't a slave. He wasn't a slave. His father was a slave. His father re-energized or created a new field of industry became very rich in it and then the character we know as Candyman is the son of this former slave who he's wealthy now he has some level of wealth and white people pay him and people pay him to paint them so if you have any level of like just historically if you usually have a job that requires like creativity and art of some sort and you're getting paid for that you're usually mm-hmm. someone of like sometimes higher class 
especially depending on who's paying you to draw. So this wasn't just like some common dude who was struggling on life. He, he lived a good life and he could, he could afford to be just a painter. So this isn't just like, they was like, oh, this is some hoodwig who like went off and now he was killed by white people. No, this was like a dude who supposedly did everything that was supposed to be right according to society and things still went horrifically wrong. And he was basically lynched on top of having his hand chopped off and honey being smeared on him, which is probably where the name Candy Man came from because it smelled so sweet from all the honey and then all the bees stinging him. Like this, this is a combination of terrible events that made this monster this monster. So like, I'm just saying all that to say, Get Out was kind of a return to form, but for the mainstream people who only viewed horror in some way. Candyman yeah. already was already there. We already had the people under the stairs. Now, if you ain't see it, that was on you. <laughs> but we already had the people under the stairs. We already had Nightmare on Elm Street. I think by then, yeah, we already had Wishmaster. We already had so many different types of monster films and so many different types of horror films. We had Changeling and all these other horror movies that, as people want to call it, elevated horror. We had that. Get Out just pulled people in. It was the one that got people. Candyman yeah. walked something. so Absolutely. that Get Out could run. <laughs> Ooh, Basically. I like that. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. And it's true, yeah, because Candyman, the first one, it has so much commentary. So much from beginning to end. The first shot, the first shot alone, you're looking at Cabrini Green. That is the opening shot. The opening shot is like a helicopter view of all Chicago and then you see Cabrini Green and then you hear like Tony Todd's monologue over it you know and then boom Helen's face you know that it's, it's so much yeah. because I mean and again like um when she started talking about how like you know where she's at was split they split up uh her neighborhood with the quote-unquote ghetto poor neighborhood with the trains and mm-hmm. and the and basically like all these infrastructures and whatnot and that kind of goes back into what we see now with zones you know we're all we're all separated by zones yep. you know and districts and not everything is the same you know we have to and I, I, articles an article i read said it perfectly that how like we have to basically play a lottery a lottery for health care for education for housing you know, for everything, because we're not allowed that while someone else is, you know, it, it, it's like you go like I learned that the hard way whenever I used to go to the city and whenever I found out people lived in the city. It's like, wait, you live in a city? You're rich <laughs> because it, it's, yeah. so, like, it's, it's so like abnormal. You know, you're so used to seeing white people, white faces in the city. And then you come home. I remember, um, what was it that the thing? was that instagram page humans of new york i remember one time they came to my neighborhood to interview people i was surprised i was like they're here why are they here but they interviewed this uh this kid that was in college and he said it and i felt this way too many times that he said that how like oh yeah you know i go to this really good school this good college and whenever my friends be like hey let's chill at your place he always has an excuse because he's so embarrassed to bring them over He's so like, I don't want you coming over. So he makes excuses. And he lived in my neighborhood. So he was just always bringing up excuses. Because, yeah. I mean, when you're here, you know, it's like a cultural shock for people. That when they come here, they're like, like oh, my God, there's trash here. There's just, just, I'm not saying that we have trash everywhere. <laughs> but I meant, like, you know, that's also an example of how we're being forgotten. Certain neighbors, like, for being green, it was being forgotten. Because it was in the projects. You have all these people who are... Like, like Bernadette said, like, you know, all the gangs had this neighborhood, like, you know, in prison, 
because it's like yeah but like whose fault is that that's not their fault that they're like that it's it's, it's society it's the system that made them that way that made them feel like we have to do this to cause order um and, it, and it's, it's through violence and chaos and that's why i said that how like a lot of this stuff with candy man even in general in real life it stems from generational trauma that was brought into us and so we never got over that we're so like scared of that we have ptsd from that and the same thing is seen in here when they first see bernadette and helen they're like oh you know heads up you know five old cops are here cops are here because you see well-dressed people you think the worst you're like who are they why are they here and it's just it's it's really sad but i love how they pictured that in such a way and then bring that over to Nina Costa's version which also had amounts of commentary reflecting on what we see today that's still going on today um and it's just like yeah like I mean and I said it before when Get Out came out and I mentioned it before when we did the whole State of the Union conversation where I was like I want to see more of this in horror we're starting to get it and I'm sure people are just like, well, I'm tired of seeing it. I'm like, yeah, but we still need to talk about this. We can't just talk about it one day and the next day we act like nothing happened. And I don't want it to be like a trend. Like we see when, you know, Black Lives Matter happens. It's a trend for like, what, a week or two? And then it's a race. And it's just like, what happened? Why are we not talking about this anymore? So I feel like it's important for horror to keep up with social commentary and make it more obvious in our faces rather than subliminal like certain movies do like we need to have this in movies especially horror because you know again we said it before horror is the perfect outlet for that horror is the only way we can say the stories in a way that it's entertaining in a storytelling where it's not like you're watching a documentary you're watching a movie reflecting real life and again this is all thanks to george r merrill as well he was the first one to do it and you yeah. know and that just snowballs into what we see today so i want to see more social just like social commentary in these films like we need it we need it yeah, we're gonna keep getting it it ain't going nowhere and it's funny that you even mentioned like how black lives matter like you know the protests of like that they happen and then things just kind of go back to the same a week later yep. even uh jordan pill uh, not that just the Jordan Peele episode, but just obviously these things connect. But he, uh, he, he even mentioned he was like, I wrote Get Out years before people ever started, saw it. I just thought it would never get made because how many people I pitched it to was just like, no, like we're not making this. And then you know Ferguson and things like that happened, and the people, uh, <laughs> capitalism is a motherfucker. You know, it just it it finds a profit in tragedy. So uh, you you have these moments happen where people are like, yo, this is fucked up. Like things, all these things are happening around our country, our home. This is terrible. And then the conversation gets kind of energized towards like, you know, maybe we need to treat people a little bit better. Maybe these people's stories matter a little bit more than bam, we get, get out. So I guess, I don't know. Maybe we need a Ferguson to happen for Candyman to be a more popular movie. God. And also, and also, and also, yeah. um, what is it? Uh, Jason Blum. Cause then, um, Blumhouse produce, uh, get out. Yeah. 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 Thank God for him. <laughs> yeah, because he he gave it a chance. Yeah, and that's and I remember um when we had the feminism horror panel and with you know our guests and one they mentioned that they were like we need uh pro- uh production studios we need uh writer studios all these studios we need them to give people a chance to hear their scripts for a film that's gonna have social commentary that's gonna be about certain subject matters and for them to be like yes 
you know we need that it's it's it sucks that how like even now again jordan Pugh is so successful with with get out us you know he uh produced the 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 candy man film we need the cost of directing that he's having nope come out soon which i'm sure is going to be also social commentary and interesting but Mm -hmm. it's so ridiculous how directors like him or even um what is it like william crane and even uh, the director mm-hmm. for Tales of the Hood, they had to fight so many times to get their film greenlit and even produced. And also, we need good advertising people. Like, Tales of the Hood, I remember he said the reason why the movie flopped because it wasn't advertised correctly. They advertised it wrong. Um, and we need proper people in that field as well for movies to advertise it for what it is and not manipulate people. Have them sit down like, oh, I don't going to watch this and this and that. Like, we don't need that. We need you to advertise it the way the way they want it to be. Um, and yeah, like, we need more of those people to be like, yes, we want to do this. We want to greenlit this. We want to support it. We want to we we fund it, you know? And, and hopefully we see more people, directors, you know, men and women and non-binary as well, and there are people of color behind director seats, behind the writer seats, behind the executive seats, you know, producers and whatnot. So we could see more of these films because, you know, I, I'm kind of tired of the white story. You know, I kind of am. We see it all the time. It's the same thing every time. It's just refurbished, you know, as a haunting, as a ghost story, as a monster movie. But it's the same thing, the same formula. And then you get movies like this. It's different. You know, some people say, well, it's kind of like this. It's like, yeah, but it's, it's different because there's a different tone to it. It's a different vibe to it, different story to mm. it. You don't relate to it because it doesn't look like you. I relate to it. You relate to it. You know, everyone like, you know, JP relates to it because we live that mm-hmm. life. You know, so it's different. It hits differently. And I want to see more of that moving forward. Again, like what Bernard did with Candyman 92 and then near the Costa with the new Candyman was just chef's kiss because it was just perfect. And I love how the new one isn't just a retelling. It's a soft retelling but it's connecting to the original one. Like you said, Kendall, it's, it's more extended. It's a more expanded universe of like, who is the Candyman? And I love that she did that at the ending because I was yes. just like, yes. Like, yes, yes, yes. And you, it, it, they interviewed her so many times about the movie and how passionate she was and what she was trying to tell with it. And you can tell with the release, you can tell how much love and dedication she put in that film. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's just great, and I hope I see more from Nina Costa. She was just amazing. Oh, and a brilliant first time as a director. Brilliant first yes. time. Awesome. Oh, it was amazing. Oh, we did also, it, guys. What else you got to oh, say, Jojo? Oh, before we get out uh, of here soon. Yes. <laughs> go ahead, bro. To, to, to Ken, what Jackie said, um, yes, this movie definitely has resonated with me since I still currently live in the projects, and yes, I have experienced like, what, not what Helen experienced, but in general, how um, living in the projects would be like I would have like some several gang members hang out in front of my apartment building. Luckily, I was cool with them, only for the fact that I would smoke weed with them at at some at some point. <laughs> but other than it's that, they something. like they're never they're never as like reflected as everybody else would think. They're genuinely yeah. they're generally good people. They just are stuck in like bad situations that they don't mm-hmm. think they can put themselves out in, which sucks because there's there there always is an opportunity out but not when the system keeps putting you in a stereotype that is what 
causes them to keep doing what they do because nothing else is like holding out for them. Yeah, and it's true. I yeah. mean, I still live in the projects, and there are people like if they see elderly people, I will see them come out and be like, "You need help," and they'll carry their bags for them. They'll help them upstairs. You know, like they are generally homesome people. It's just, yeah, like yeah. it's the society, Check, it's the way it's the district, and it's just crazy. Like it's just insane. We At that point, fix, it just comes we to need we a take care apocalypse. of our Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I don't even know if that helped, but I know. Uh, <laughs> I know. I would say one thing I, I heard recently. I thought was real nice, and it's not the first time I heard it. The, like I said, I went to a little bit of fiasco concert recently. Like I love that dude; he's my favorite rapper. Um, and he he says something really cool. It was on stage. It was also something that he said in his music before, but it was also nice to hear him say it in person as well, where he was just saying, hey, man, um, I love hip hop. I love the culture. I love the people in it. You know, we just have to get the violence out of it more than anything else. So he was like, yeah, get the violence out of it because uh, regardless of race, you never know that person who might have been shot up the block for gangbanging could have been the surgeon to save your uncle's life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. True. We 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 got it. We all got to do better. We all got to do better. And I was like, "Be a hundred percent right." So, we did it though. We we did it. We we had to. We made it. We made, I know it. I, I, we made it. We made it through Black History Month because it's the last one for the month. We we made it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I believe. Say we, that. I, I believe we said his name a total of like ten times in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> At least we're not in front of a mirror, so we're good. Yeah, I'm in front of a mirror. Like... I'm in front of the. There's a mirror in front of me, so I'm fine. Oh, you did that to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> you did that to yourself so i just i had to say that we made it through black history month this is the last episode for the month tony todd you the homie i love you bro i know you don't know me i don't know when you're gonna hear this but <laughs> we I, I appreciate it man you gave a, a, a black kid like myself who's i was born 89 so i saw this movie i think when i was like seven but you gave a black kid like me you get to see a cool looking black dude on screen in horror doing some really awesome shit and i appreciate that and I've always been a fan ever since. So I'm, I'm happy we made it this far. Yeah. So, hey, JoJo, thanks for coming, man. Or JP, hey. thanks for coming, man. Thank you. No problem. No problem. Nice to meet you. Yes. Um, and with that, I hope everyone had a great and safe Black History Month. I know this month has also been a, with their shenanigans. <laughs> but a lot of shenanigans have been happening. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, every fucking year, every month. It's annoying. But I hope everyone had a great and safe one. And... Black History Month isn't just tied to February. Remember, it's it's every day, it's every year, it's it's every second. It's just all the time. Facts, facts. And yeah. yes, and so yes, yeah, so we want to just say that. Um, and Tony Todd, I wish she could adopt me so you could be my grandpappy. Um, <laughs> um, so I could be happy. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, so <laughs> any uh, any last words, JP? Like, do you want anyone? Like where to find you or anything? Uh yes, you could find me at Twitch at JP seven two 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 crazy one. I just finished um Oxen Free, very good game. I'm about to start a new game pretty soon, another horror game. Um, probably until dawn. You don't know. You could have to find out on my Twitch to to see it happen. It also might be in the show notes. And yeah, yeah, that'll be it for me. All right. Thanks have for a safe me. one, everyone. And ooh, ghost goodbye.